I've had a request for all five, but we don't all know them, so the first and the last verses are the red flag. <laughs> Hello and welcome to That Option No Longer Exists. Do you support us? Yes. No. You can text to opt out. a third choice? A third way, if you will. Uh, (laughs) There is no third way, only opting out under the general data protection regulations. Uh, But I haven't had any texts. Oh. So I'm feeling absolutely adrift on the far left of the Labour Party uh, no one's texted dear John Bounds and lots of people have apparently texted dear Adam they Jim ha- well kind of nothing nothing so formal let me let me read some of uh, my recent texts out Jello. not not recent texts I've sent to people one of them your test results are ready <laughs> okay so um iOS uh, if it doesn't know the person sending it uh, on your iPhone says maybe colon lisa and it says hi it's lisa nandy i'm standing for labor leader so we can win again together can i count on your vote plus text y slash n or undecided full stop opt out at and then uh, url it started off incredibly chatty possibly a little bit over friendly then ended very formally indeed yes possibly like a campaign i <laughs> Well, yes, maybe. Uh, This one hasn't set off iOS's person detector, so it's possibly come from a bot. It just says, Hi, comma, this is Rebecca Long-Bailey. Text Y to let me know you're backing me for Labour leader. Unsure? Want to know more or opt out? And then a uh, URL. So Rebecca definitely wants to get her full name in. She's not going for the Becky thing, um, but she doesn't really allow me a no option. Well, what? Let's let's be honest. Why would a political candidate want you to say no? This is an offer you. This is an offer you can't and shouldn't be refusing, mate. Well, I also have messages from Doctor Rosina is standing by to be deputy leader. She's an A and E doctor who has worked in conflict zones, helping the world's most vulnerable. You can read more about her online at www.drrosina.co.uk. Adam, can she count on your vote? Reply yes, no, or maybe. Thanks, Team Rosanna. Am I saying that right? I've pronounced it at least twice in reading out that once. I think she might be a doctor. Um, I've heard that. The the very first to get to me though was Team Kia. Well, they had the data for some. Uh, they've had the data for some time. Anyway, what I was kind of impressed was that they were Team Kia. Like the the message didn't pretend to be written by the candidate itself. Yes, yeah, because he doesn't know how it w- doesn't know how phones work. That's reassuring in a politician. Uh, anyway, can Keir Starmer count on your vote? Reply, colon, Keir, Rebecca, Lisa, undecided. Text stop to unsubscribe. So he's got the best unsubscribe mechanism. Text stop to and, make the Labour leadership contest stop. Uh, <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't that be wonderful? Text stop to just make it all go away. So have you um, have you texted anything to any of these people? No. It's only going to encourage them, isn't it? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, more, more impressively, I actually got a phone call from a human from Team Keir, uh, who was, you know, a bit chatty, even after I reassured him that I definitely wasn't going to vote as far away from him as all that. I don't know, though. I mean, you know, I was in the car with my son through a rainstorm to a four-year-old's birthday party, uh, and much of that time was spent listening to why I should vote for Keir Starmer. 
Um, and how is uh, is it, your son? Seems about the uh, yeah the sort of people that is he has he entered the Labour Party in order to vote for Keir Starmer? I mean, um, I'm not hope I'm not breaking any uh, data protection uh, regulations um, to say that uh, I recently had an email from someone who said they'd recently joined. Uh, on contingent on Keir Starmer becoming leader, uh, I, I assume meaning they were going to leave if he didn't. But the next day I had uh, another email from them saying they'd got the membership card, read the back of it, said it seems said that uh, Labour was a democratic socialist party and decided that wasn't for them. Democracy is so annoying. Oh, I, th- I think they was... Or was it the socialism? <laughs> he wasn't happy with the socialism bit, but he was quite happy with Keir Starmer, which says a lot. Well, at least that means that... He doesn't want to be a national socialist. He doesn't want to be a socialist at all. Um, so it's, yeah, I, I don't know. I've, I've been quite, not removed, but I feel quite down in the mouth about the entire process. It feels with none of the, um, I don't know, excitement or hope of the contest in 2015 and none of the um, simple comedy value of watching Owen Smith perform in 2016 it just um it just doesn't feel a lot of fun <laughs> it's uh... well i think it's kind of depressing because in the back of your mind you're like well which one of these people is going to lose to boris johnson in 5 years time well there's no reason any of them should lose to to boris johnson i think all of them could take the leadership all there, of there them is, there is a boring historical reason like it's a very big majority to overturn labor have lost Scotland to all practical intents and purposes which makes it even harder and you know I don't think 80 is actually historically that big it is even even without the fact you know 80 is not traditionally overturned in one go I don't think it ever has been people have lost more than 80 seats in between two elections in fact someone you know or care about a lot has done that but um you're saying I'm friends with John Major <laughs> But what I'm, uh, what I think, what I'm suggesting is that you, it would require something to happen quite big externally or internally for any of them to have a very good chance very quickly of winning, and yeah, I, and I think, that same I, chance. Well, I, I'm prepared to, them, to agree right? with you that there is definitely unusual circumstances. People, people in general seem to have changed to changing their mind in within half a second rather than gently shifting over time. And I think we can see some fairly interesting economic difficulties on the country's horizon that may make people a little febrile. febrile? Is that the word? I'm, you know, moody, mm. basically, is the word I'm looking for. So, yeah, it's less unlikely uh, than usual that an 80-seat uh, majority can be overturned. So I think like, what I, I mean I worry about, and I, I worry about more than anything else, is not what not who not necessarily who's leading it but the party that is being led and unfortunately that comes in this instance down to the leadership so it would be possible to have two credible left candidates with different styles and personalities and different visions um but that's not what we've got um well that's yeah okay but that's the internal democracy mechanism at work there's only and and arguably also, the the way the left work, they want to put their eggs in a basket, and they have done. I think we've got more than one credible left candidate for deputy leader. 
So that yeah. that's um, but, but you yourself will strongly argue against the existence of a deputy leader unless it happens to be the only left person left at the end of the I, party. No, I, I will uh, strongly. Um, I will strongly uh, say that the the position of deputy leader, as currently existing, is point not only pointless but a little bit divisive. But once when a position is open, you got to go for it. Yes. Um, so, and what I'm saying is, your view of how divisive it is or isn't may be coloured by who it is. Well. How divisive it is or isn't will be coloured by who it is. If you have a left-wing leader and a right-wing deputy leader, uh, well, we've seen how divisive that is. If you have a right-wing leader and a leftish deputy leader, we've seen how divisive that is. And, and the answer is, you, you mean that that leftish a, guy might punch a man in the face? Yeah, but but it wasn't. But actually, but it was a yeah. It, I mean, what I mean is that is the perfect political campaign you've got somebody who looks like they can competently run a country and then you've got somebody that the uh, the left can admire because he punches people no i i obviously well, obviously, well <laughs> obviously the uh the the top um the choice really should be a long bailey tyson fury ticket the um uh, Do you know there were a lot of people on the day of the prescott punch who thought it was going to be bad like you know, professional politician type, you know, Mandelson people were initially a bit worried about it. I can't believe that. I think it would be obviously brilliant for the British electorate to see that. I think it would be, you know, the sort of people who voted for Brexit and the sort of people, you know, they suddenly thought politicians were great. I think it very much de- it very much depends who they hit and whether or not they're seen as dangerous or. Um, expendable or or what I mean like if you ex uh, labor whips hitting people in uh, bars doesn't go down particularly well as we've seen in recent years um, no no but uh, I don't I, know actually because the, the guy in question you know mullet he looked a lot like that kind of voter he looks a lot like um, uh, Weatherspoon's Tim Martin doesn't he Tim Martin he, the, uh... yeah yeah was he maybe actually him <laughs> maybe that's why he's been so anti-Labour uh, since but so did you watch the Channel 4 hustings last night no that was exactly the sort of question they've been out they were after on the hustings where they seem to be happy to reduce every issue of any sort of vague importance politically to a yes no one and yet um, extended a good third of the program to questions about uh People being nice or nasty online, and uh, the, the nicer and nasty, or they're the only choices, aren't they? Really, well, that's the magic of online. Well, it, this, I mean, the, it, but the question was um, faced around the current uh, uh, news story about um, the the ex-presenter of Love Island, who um, I don't want to talk too much about because I don't know anything about it, um, other than what I'd seen on the Labour leadership hostings, but. It, it was the, the I, Channel I, Four. I don't know anything about it either. Although I did detect the code words for suicide in some headlines. Is that right? Well, that's. I mean, that's that's what you know. But what it is true is that the lots of the uh, reporting by the media didn't follow the proper suicide guidelines, and certainly, it seemed to me that uh, a brief scanning of the of the issue that it seemed to me that the the media 
were the problem and yet the question was framed as if all the naughty social media we really need to tighten that up and i will defend you know incredibly strongly the absolute right of people who are being shafted by an economic system and directly by a cadre of uh unfeeling despots who somehow have wheedled their way into um into government um i will absolutely defend their right to be incredibly angry and tell them to fuck off and call them a cunt and call them a wanker and call them a bastard and i don't care whether they've got a blue tick or not being isn't the isn't the problem that if you're going to defend that right and i'm not saying you shouldn't because it seems perfectly reasonable to me that people can say what they want isn't the problem that they then they have to be able to also say that about individuals and that kind of thing what you're asking, oh, you know, what you need, what society needs is a bit of personal responsibility. But then can you have personal responsibility if loads of people are sort of ganging up in the cloud? And, you, you know, you don't know which tweet puts somebody over the edge. It's, I don't know. I, I don't feel like there's a good solution for this, except maybe trying to teach people to be a little bit less upset. I no, you, I think you can teach people to be. It doesn't matter whether people are not upset. You can teach people oh, no, no, to. No, you, you can hopefully way, I mean, you can people ho- to be less upset by what's on there. You can hope except that yeah. it's all garbage. You can hopefully um, educate people to, in a political sense, political education to direct their anger against the right places. I mean, again, theoretically, yes, but that means getting in touch with you know that means the labour movement's doing its job and getting in touch with everyone. And explaining to them that the reason that they don't like their life is nothing to do with a TV presenter of whatever merit, but because of the evil government. Um, and also some TV presenters. Uh, <laughs> yes. It's, um, I think that's, yeah. I think the worry. Take it all out on Laura Coonsberg. <laughs> I, I have not heard it because since the. Um, no one's mentioned her since she won. I mean, since the election. Well, you know why? That's because most people have just tuned out of watching the news because the the TV news, at least, because we've what on the left, at least, what we've learned is there is absolutely no point engaging. They won't be. Uh, they won't have any um, moments of reflection. There won't be any analysis of why there's criticism, as long as the as long as there's uh, equal criticism from. Uh, the swivel-eyed loons, as uh, Cameron called them, and people who are justifiably angry because their, for example, uh, personal independence payments are being removed. As long as there's equal and equal anger, they're fine. They seem to feel that balances it out. So we could. It's just we may as well just absolutely tune out. Um, I, you know, with a big, long, drawn-out sigh, I'm not. Don't entirely disagree. Although I still think it would be a shame to lose the BBC. I unfortunately think it's indefensible in its current state. Um, and I think what I do think is that... I, I think things can be worse. I think you, oh, you yeah, often forget how much worse things can oh, be. It, it, but, but this is, um, I don't know, a nice uh, parallel uh, with what happened with the EU. If people defend, you know, right-thinking people, 
good liberal people as they as they were if they defend the status quo the monolithic status quo as it is if they defend the monolithic bbc that has problems with impartiality it has problems with diversity it has problems with the way it treats women it's women's stuff yeah. in particular I mean, it, it's, of course it only has problems because it tries a bit it maybe hasn't completed the you know slow arcing thing but you know what? But if you defend the only that, way for the BBC to, um, you know, you, the way you can say the BBC is fine is to remove any of those requirements and just let the BBC be, you know, or either require it to be the mouthpiece of the government, or abolish it altogether, or you know, that the problem. There is are ways of democratizing and fixing the BBC. In fact, people have put forward, um, you know, quite good proposals about doing yeah, that including, but none of them would happen overnight well no but what you can't what you cannot do is defend the status quo and expect people who are being poorly served and in some cases harmed to go along with you and i think that's a exactly the same thing that the mistake that the stronger in uh campaign made over europe and they will repeat Although it won't be a sort of formal political campaign, they will repeat the mistakes of defending the status quo because they won't admit the problems and they won't admit that it can be better and they will lose. Okay. Uh, although arguably the person who admitted it could be better is the person most responsible for us losing. Uh, oh, it's about seven out of ten. That If, if, if um, more people had taken that position, the referendum would not have gone how it, how it did. I don't. I just don't know. I think the, pro, the. I think it was effectively unwinnable because, well, I mean, pathetic, lackluster support or not even support from a Labour leadership who I'm not were very to that, clearly Adam, not excited. It's by not. It. It's not. Corbyn did more media appearances than any other politician on the Remain side. He did meetings up and down the country. He spoke with great eloquence of socialist internationalism and the the good that the eu could do in combating climate change i was there i saw him i uh i shook his hand after one of these events he was if the media was obsessed with uh the positions of um the the main tory-led campaigns the the absolute status quo economic disaster if you leave thing and the you know unfounded um money for the nhs nonsense and the blue on blue violence if the media was obsessed by that that's on the media and that's also on the stronger in campaign and it's also on the official labor campaign which as you'll notice the labor leadership distanced itself from because it was doing badly um well i and i think you hit the nail on the head there in the middle of that which is that the the assorted positions that the different campaigns took led the media down its classic route of having swivel-eyed loons on one side and rational, sensible-speaking people on the other side, which... Rational, sensible-speaking people who only defended the give, status giving quo. Them, give, yeah, yeah, giving them exactly half the amount of time. And so the average that people's sort of mind hit upon is always going to lean slightly towards the loon thing because they're further away from the middle-line status quo, if I can try and... You yeah. Know. So, so the, the, the and, and, and equally... Um, you know, it's impossible to make, or at the time at least, it seemed impossible to make a, a lunatic defence. Like what you know, what was really needed was a sort of hard left remain. You know, the equivalent of the racist side of the campaign, the um, the Farage lot. You know, rather than the official campaign, because you had official leave, didn't you? 
Yeah, and then you had lunatics leave, and but there was no equivalent lunatic remain. Well, I would say actually that the the lunatic remain was the <laughs> was the official campaign. There was there was very little of a, a sensible uh, remain. Um, the lunatic, everything's perfect because when it clearly isn't, you can look outside your window and see that it isn't. Um, it's a very difficult. It's a much harder argument to make, though. Things could be shitter, like things might are not perfect now because things are never perfect because that's life. But you can't blame the foreigners, even though we've been doing it for the last however many years. Um, it, they, there were very few eye-catching examples of you know things that would sort of genuinely matter to certain groups of people if we leave the EU. Like boring stuff, like you won't be able to get iPhones on the first day when they come out because no one gives a shit about Britain or making separate little plugs for them. <laughs> so, you know, all, all that sort of stuff. You, you're going to find one or two people who, you know, or thousands of people or groups of people who do give a shit about not being able to get this or that or, you know, the import stuff, the piles of rotting fruit. Uh, all the stuff that you could have sort of imagined it would have been nice to see some sort of graphic examples explained by people from a long way over. So, so let's just let's just say I had a. I'm, I'm going to move on because what I would like to, if this would be interesting to see if you could map those campaigning strategies onto a the the, the battle for our state funded broadcaster. But the just remember that the big stay in the EU leaflet that you got made you uh, decided that it would feature Richard Branson telling you it was a good idea to stay in I don't know if I got the leaflet it had a it had Richard Branson it had Karen Brady this is some lots of people who've done very well uh they may well have done well at the EU but they're not paying their taxes in it at least in one case so this is it was almost tantamount to vandalism by that campaign and i genuinely see the people who are saying oh look you can't you can't get I rid of the say it. I, I see where you're going with this but the problem is an awful lot of people do seem to annoyingly admire those people but not enough well, and I not know, the people sure. and not the people they needed so it was political blindness willful political blindness or vandalism and i see the same thing happening with the bbc because people are saying oh look you look at all these wonderful services and you wouldn't get them without the bbc and they're worth so much money but if you don't address the fact that the way the bbc news division is structured is damaging to our democracy and the way it's behaving is damaging to our democracy you are not going to get the support because let's face it People don't necessarily even know where their TV programs are coming from these days. You might watch a BBC program on Netflix or on iPlayer. I wonder how many people don't know that iPlayer is a BBC thing. So it's you're not going to get. I'd, I'd say it's. I mean, I know what you mean. I imagine it's fewer than you think, though, because they're pretty unsubtle with their branding. But I don't. But you. I bet the kids don't. The kids who watch Doctor Who on Netflix don't really know where it comes from. I bet the, um, you know, and you, I saw someone defending. Do, do you mean Americans? No, yeah, they think it from the generic British. 
I saw someone who was defending the BBC the other day on the fact that only the BBC would have made horrible histories. Now, I like horrible histories. I thought the film was really good as well. I think horrible histories is a great kids' programme. I think that's exactly the sort of thing Sky would have made. Well, considering it was made based on an already best selling book. Yes, exactly. It is. And Sky is desperate to prove its British credentials. You know, so they've got series like um, Cobra. Is it the film with Sylvester Sloan? Because that's what I'd expect it to be. No, no, based on Cobra, like the meeting terror and I not, not cabinet ru- cabinet yeah. briefing room A when there is yeah. only one. The, uh, I know, but it's sound. It, they had to make it sound cool, didn't they? The, that is weird. Government trying to make things sound. Cool. I like it when they have a Cobra committee uh, meeting to discuss the coronavirus. It just seems like they've got <laughs> lots of bottles of uh, export strength lager in there. Oh, a funny moment the other day. Um, we went to Ikea at the weekend because, it, you know, it was raining and what else can you do but play around in somebody else's doll's house um, with my son, who's nearly four. And we were having the, you know, economy meatballs that you go there to have. Then They're not that cheap, obviously, because you accidentally then end up spending £100 on fake furniture. Anyway, um, now my little one, he does occasionally show an enthusiasm for things he's nearby like licking a tube train or a window in a shop or something like that for some reason i don't know um and his mother shouts oh my god the diseases very loudly um (laughs) to, to him in an attempt to persuade him to get away from or his tongue away from the window immediately behind us were two chinese people who gave me the dirtiest of looks because i they did not see what my son was doing and they thought she was making a fairly racist remark the um the 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 two interesting things i've heard about this uh coronavirus is that from i've heard from a medical professional that most colds and coughs are coronaviruses uh so this is a very very odd and media led uh, issue um and and more and more people would that, i i uh, now i've heard the same it's yeah. very easy to believe that isn't it but also the um other uh, thing that i've seen is uh, a website selling um f- uh, face masks to supposedly protect you from this whether or not they do any good but they have um you send upload a picture and it prints the missing part of your face on the uh, face mask so you can still unlock your iphone while wearing it <laughs> brilliant although imagine how long you have to spend just nudging it one way or the other in the mirror to make sure that it's exactly in the right spot <laughs> i'm fairly sure it wouldn't work anyway i don't know i bet i, I mean how how good is that but is is this is this a, a a symptom of the same problem I'm just I'm still talking about is because I'm gonna I'm gonna narrow down this because I feel like I'm not I feel exhausted with the Labour leadership contest and I feel exhausted with the way the media is covering the Labour leadership contest. For example, Rebecca Long Bailey released a, an interesting uh, policy about reform and democratisation of the BBC, uh, which was roundly ignored. And uh, anybody else who defends, uh, you know, the, the, so but the the trouble, the things about the BBC, and you, oh no, we mustn't, we'd lose David Attenborough, he's going to die soon. But the 
so you know what I mean so but the, so the 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 binary defense and the the way the media is falling over itself to handle lots of different stories in the same way the media always has and is going to miss the point again and again and again it's we need to build a different media we need to build a left media we need to build a a media that it, that is not tantamount and tantamount to just essentially um regurgitating these things in these ongoing patterns and and creating the spectacle that people are distracting themselves with and it's an, a fundamental problem okay so i'm not necessarily disputing the suggestion that we need to provide or you know there needs to be that other media but bearing in mind current political situation how are you going to do it You've got the media, right? You've got the technology. You've got, you know, obviously the internet distribution. So no problem there, right? You've got people doing it, but how are you going to get the masses to choose the left media that you want them, rather than the media that they already have access to? Well, oddly, so um, it's oft quoted, but the the Daily Worker, as became the Morning Star, once had a you know, a much larger larger readership than, for example, the Financial Times. We had in the mirror of the late seventies. Yes, were that was was that really was that readership? You know, an effective decision making. You know, did, did they have any power? Well, they had a lot of choice in terms of newspapers. Far more choice than you have than you have now. So they had, to, and you had the mirror, a which was then an credibly and not market driven in quite the same way left-leaning national newspaper so it is possible and it isn't possible under the current ownership uh, structures to get a left-leaning national newspaper but if you have something outside that you could it's um and i don't know inter- interesting you're talking about the the morning star but, but you can't use the you can't use the mechanisms of the state is what i'm saying to get that media at the moment well, you can't use the mechanisms <clears> of much the so state, you might want them but to you, but there's no point rebecca long bailey saying this that and the other about the bbc in the short term because the bbc is going to potentially lose its life while boris johnson is still prime minister but if you are pos- if it is pos- but you can change the terms of the debate and if no as i said if no one is going to change the terms of the debate then the bbc is going to disappear down the plug hole but if you can talk about a possibility of a democratized bbc then you would potentially get people on the left who are going to fight for it where they're not going to fight particularly if they're not going to fight for its news uh, division right now. Ah, so what, what what you're sort of talking about is the I can't remember what they call themselves, but there is a large group of people who support Bernie Sanders in the US, um, who have made clear that they will not vote for any other Democratic candidate. So they would rather sit at home and have Donald Trump win rather than you know say Bernie wasn't selected as the presidential nominee by the Democratic candidate they would effectively choose to support trump rather than any of the other democrats no i'm not i'm not talking about that what i'm talking about is a a fact is you need to energize people to campaign like during the, it wasn't enough in the end but during the last election in december we energized 30 40 plus thousand people to give up their free time to even pay for the privilege in terms of taking time off work to go and traipse the streets in the wet and the cold to try and bring about 
um, a better outcome for the country altruistically so but there's only so much energy so if you want yeah, to harness I mean, isn't there there is an argument it has to be said that you can demonstrate by saying all these people did this and did not achieve the outcome they wanted whereas far far fewer people achieved the other outcome and they did that because they had the because they had the they had the ingrained power of the status quo and the systemic bias so the, or, yeah, the far few because I guess people didn't like the choice they were being presented with but well people were persuaded by the systemic issues but what i'm what i'm suggesting is nothing about that election what i'm saying is if you want the left to or people of the left to campaign to save the BBC in its current form, you better be open to saying that this isn't the right BBC. The BBC can be better. It's worth saving this future BBC that is possible and get them infused enough about that so they actually do something. Or you not not the worst idea, but that does sound almost exactly the same as um, remain and reform. Which, which was too complicated an argument, it turned out, for a large number of votes. That argument, I don't believe that argument reached anybody um, because of the way the media works. So it goes round and round in circles. But the. No, I, it, I think it did. I think it was, you know, it was hammered repeatedly that people, re- that people heard it, and I suspect what they heard was, oh, well, if it still needs reforming, then may as well get out. So I think you, but what you're, I think what you're missing here is that you don't need to win a referendum. They're not going to have a referendum. This of uh, attack on the BBC, I think, is a precursor to see how far they probably don't even want to do it. What they what they want to do is see how far they can push a national institution, and the national institution they really want to push is not the one. It does have three letters, but they're N H and S. So the it's a. It's a floating of a, an idea. Can we just, can we undermine confidence in a national institution enough to make people not worry about it, um, and not defend it? Because that is what they do with the NHS as well. They say, oh, no, it's failing here. It's failing there. These people are failing there. You can't get to a GP. It's failing. We need to reform it. The idea is so that people won't defend it. They say, oh, it needs to change. So there's what, what we, but, but what we don't need to do, you don't need to reach 17 million people to save the BBC. You need to reach a much smaller, more, um, more, a, more active. You need to reach influence. More, yeah, more active, more vocal people and the sort of people that will actively campaign and actively get off their bums and do something, which is a much smaller number. And there are some of those in the in the political centre. There are some of those in the political right. But I'll tell you where they mostly are. <laughs> They're left-wingers. And if you want to save the BBC, you have to open the door to the possibility of democratic change within the BBC. Ah. Uh- I mean, I'm going to be interested to see how it plays out, I guess. It's interesting you make the sort of the clear link with the NHS and the, the whole thing being a bit of a distracting and test. Um, I think the BBC thing is, you know, it serves as a distraction not just for the NHS, but as a general way of keeping, you know, to, to damaging what is relatively impartial political coverage. And I know it isn't perfect. It isn't impartial. The BBC is, 
What? It, it is, it, yes, all it's right. devastatingly it, partial it, to a, to the status quo. It is. It is still relatively impartial. For like, say, say you're you know the Sun reader. He is given. He's told how to vote by his newspaper, and he is not presented with a fair alternative take on that. Whereas, if he also checks the news on the BBC, he will probably be shown both sides of it but if let's say his third uh, source is sky and they're like yeah but you can't trust the bbc can you because they're in a row with the government so that that sort of seems to be the tactic to undermine or distract the bbc on it works on every count not just the nhs well that that is true that's that whole um the supposed uh adam curtis um narrative about what uh, Putin does in in Russia with his ex-performance artist advisor create enough confusion and what aboutery and just sheer sense of what the hell is all this that they can do anything and and it justifies the not having poor media performers out in public like it's just magically no one even argues with the fact that the Tories don't you know send people to be interviewed well, everyone at the BBC knows they're not coming. It's because they're crap. Um, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Everyone knows. The whole country knows. But the, you know, we all know why we never saw um, Jacob Rees-Mogg or Diane Abbott before the election. Uh, but there were a lot more and a lot more unpleasant people on the Tory side that we didn't see. You know, we, we understand this sort of thing, but somehow now it's going to be completely normalised by next time. So I'd like to take a little bit from the media and I'd like to um, take a little bit of the questioning technique from the Channel 4 Labour leadership hosting. So um, I'm going to ask you a series of quick-fire questions, Adam. Oh, no. And uh, I want a yes-no answer. But no, that's not fair because I can't... I'm, I'm old, right? And I don't have that sort of woke filter that they have. Like, so I'll either pause or go, um, a lot or, you know not provide a proper answer or say you know uh, a lot like uh, a former prime minister you don't know what questions i'm going to ask you i wasn't going to ask you anything difficult i'll start off with an easy ramp up of the ones that they got on the on the telly last night all right um decriminalizing cannabis yes or no oh yeah i would interestingly all of them prevaricated on that one and uh and is that is that about um sort of intellectual Honesty versus triangulating what they think will be a bad policy statement. I don't know. So yeah, I, no. I, I mean, I, people do have to think about it, don't they, for various reasons. But the thing is, people would stop after a while. I, I think, in many ways, you know, we have we are quite a liberal, small L liberal society still, and you know, associate ourselves with the Californian way of thinking there, and you know, yeah, I don't like the smell particularly. Um, but I, even even more, I dislike the dealerships, shall we say, uh, distribution arrangements, and yeah. Okay, so next one. Um, in a referendum on the monarchy, would you vote to abolish them? No, that might surprise you a little bit, but I don't really mind their existence so long as they have no effective power. It worries me. I have to admit that, you know, while our constitution seems to be a little less settled, shall we say, now that people are threatening the Supreme Court, that, uh, you know, maybe that power might creep back a little bit. But in general, you know, 
there are far worse things. So this would not have uh, got you. That was too long for Channel Four News. So uh, no, I gave you my immediate answer, and then I explained myself. <laughs> they weren't allowed to do that, really. So um, would you vote if you thought Keir Starmer was really a left winger? Would you still vote for him? Ah. So you're assuming I'm going to vote for Keir with my first preference anyway? No, I no, I think your preference is... I don't think you know whether or not you're going to vote for Lee Sinandi or Keir Starmer, one, one or two. I, 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 you know, weirdly, uh, Becky is still in there for me as a potential vote. Uh, and I say that um, because I've not... You know, I, I will definitely go and watch one of these hustings um, on iPlayer or whatever. Um, but I will also, uh, as I said, I'm still waiting for the here um, the podcast that I listen to. What's it called? Um, Political Party to see how she sounds on that. Um, go and listen to the uh, interview she did on Navarra as well. That was, it was hour long, quite um, unstructured, quite good. I think you might. Be I will, but I mean, I, I sort of one of the things that I've definitely come to agree with you on over the last twenty episodes is that we are looking at a different world and finding a new Blair isn't the solution as such. But we do need to... I think that I still think we need to find someone who can appeal to that, for want of a better word, broad coalition of people. Um, so I want to see how she is. OK. I th- so, th- his, so that means that, essentially, you would vote for Keir Starmer if he was really a socialist. Uh, yeah, so I, I wouldn't be put off Keir Starmer if he was, quote, really a socialist, close quotes, whatever that is. Um, <laughs> well, because I'm much more interested believes, in... Someone who believes in um, uh, common ownership of the means of production. Uh, well, I suspect none of them are actually in any, <laughs> you know, any sense actually going to be socialists then, are they? Well, you didn't read the 2019 manifesto. But um, it's... There's a, I think there's, that's the interesting division for me, and I think you've illustrated that quite well. That you are, um, you're willing to think about it, and you're you prize electability, whatever that means, above all. Winning, winning. Do you remember the feeling when you saw that it was an eighty-seat majority for the Tories? Yeah, and do you remember the feeling when you saw it was a hundred and seventy-nine seat majority for Labour? Yeah, that, well, I, that, I, that's I, the difference. It's, it's, you know, I, I thought that was all right. I wasn't that fussed. I mean, I was happy to get rid of the Tories at that point, but yeah, I guess you were a little more grown up. Like you're, you're a year older than me, aren't you? So you're looking at it going, uh, yeah, it's bleh. But you know, for me, it was still just goodies versus baddies. But that, I think that's the point. The, um, the. There are goodies versus baddies, and you're allowed to be on the goodies side if you if you accept if you you're allowed to be in a democratic socialist party if you don't agree with everything as long as you don't you can argue against the policies you can argue for your preferred policies which I would prefer but if you're going to be there and to undermine then the, not this is not about you but this is um so I don't this I don't I believe Lisa Dandy has lost a lot of credibility in this um leadership um election cycle because she has said things that are demonstrably untrue 
about the last four years. Like, we didn't do anything about buses, for example, when we had a huge policy on the ownership of buses and free bus travel for the under-25s and stuff that was laughably treated by the the press who derided it as focusing on buses when you you know it wasn't a big issue and it didn't mean well, one, one could it. argue that we didn't do anything about buses because of not being in power that's not what she said she said we didn't have a policy I... on it so she obviously hadn't read the policies or thought it was either she thought lying was a good option or she hadn't she wasn't across her policy brief and that's neither of or not her policy brief the policy brief so neither of those things show her in a good light at all um, she's really been losing it. The more she says, the more I believe she doesn't quite grasp what she's talking about. Yeah, I mean, like I said, when I've heard her, she's come across really well, but maybe I wasn't that familiar with the details of the bus policy either. So maybe the thing she said that impressed me was slightly dishonest. And um, have you seen, also quick fire round, have you seen Keir Starmer's stand-up routine? Oh, it's terrible. You mean the thing you tweeted? Yeah. That that was a little bit upsetting, wasn't it? The uh, it's all so, oh, the people in the people in Newcastle don't wear many clothes. You're inside. Yeah, you're inside I mean, a hotel here. How many clothes should they be wearing? <laughs> uh, I, I, in fairness, that reference was about the outdoors, and it is not untrue. And it was the centerpiece of many '80s and '90s comedy routines. And I think um, that's the worry that Keir Starmer is an 80s and 90s comedy routine rather than a, a forward-looking socialist leader. I think, you, I mean, I, I worry that... Uh, maybe that's the perfect combination, right? I'm, I'm not quite sure they... As I said, I'm not settled on my... I don't have settled status on my decision. But uh, the, uh, the the thought that maybe the way to appeal to, you know... I forget how we're categorising him, but, you know, the white, uh, pro- probably Brexit voting lent his vote to the Tories kind of guy. They don't exist, but yeah. Oh, you, you didn't offer that hypothesis last time. Last time we, we ha- captured him, stood outside the bell end at um, <laughs> the Olympic Stadium. Uh, there really is a big bell there, but it was apparently built for the 2012 Games. And I don't know if they call it the bell end, but I really hope they do. Certainly I do. Anyway, point being that maybe, you know, a few old, poor stereotype jokes from the 90s work really well for that group and then you can actually get on and, and do some socialism just don't let them think it's coming i mean it's a theory i think maybe i don't know if it's the right theory i, I worry that it might be because i you know sometimes feel like we fall for the wrong stuff in this country i.e brexit are we saying essentially that uh, nick hancock or lee hurst should be uh, up for the deputy leadership well you know boris johnson's prime minister Oh, don't get me started! Don't get me started on his comedy. I don't know, um, no, but you just potential. have to say it every now and again, just to remind you that that is true. You know, we can't even blame the eternal Tory democracy now. Actual democracy did it. Well, we can argue, and maybe yeah, we will. Yes, maybe so, we will next time about whether this yeah, let's is say truly next time, uh, yeah. democracy. Um, can I can I bring up one other thing though? Because uh, you may have heard me use the word settled status in that last uh, tirade. Sorry, which is uh, that uh, Mayor of London, who's uh, going to have to reapply for his job in a democratic sense, uh, Sadiq Khan, is uh, promoting the idea of associate citizenship of the EU. The quote is, like so many Londoners, I'm heartbroken that we are no longer a member of the European Union, but that doesn't mean our country's future can't be closely linked with the rest of Europe. Although, to listen to the government, it does rather sound like it does. Um, so apparently uh, Guy Verhofstadt back uh, 
a little while ago suggested the idea of associate citizenship, which is presumably just a bit like buying a visa on a regular basis. But maybe I could have an EU passport and indeed all of the sensible 16 million people can have EU passports and feel smug and essentially pay to be in a better tier of society than the scum who uh, don't want to be associate citizens. I mean, you're essentially uh, proposing the um, equivalent of the e, uh, EasyJet fast boarding lane. Um, yeah, well, I think that's essentially what that is, isn't it? The real, I mean, my concern with that idea... Is it it's bollocks? I don't know. I, still, I think it might partly solve the problem. Is that, though, what I would want from associate citizenship is also to be able to have um you know if i set up a company i want it to be re- effectively an eu company because that's the other main thing you can do isn't it to create a legal citizen and trade under that name associate associate shit otherwise yeah it is just fast boarding isn't it well it's um it sounds to me like another what the the whole brexit thing has been is heaven and manna from heaven for grifters, essentially. Lots of people who are making the, their own little cream by um, twisting or accessing one particular strength of feeling on one side or the other. Um, I don't see how it could work in practical terms. I don't see it as a particularly politically serious idea. I think it might not... You know, I think there's a long-term need for a second tier eu membership if you like um for countries who have their doubts like the uk but after a little while have learned a valuable lesson about the economic problems or countries you know that can see in advance there are going to be economic problems um and also political problems with being Sorry, I'm phrasing that incorrectly, but the point is, you know, look at Turkey. They want to be full members, but they can't be for different political reasons. There's there's definitely room for a second tier. There's also, you know, there's the... It, it makes some sense that people should have the individual choice. And if there were practical benefits, and freedom of movement would certainly be one of them, then, yes, it wouldn't be my first choice. I would much rather be a member state. But I quite like the idea that we could buy our way in. And I'm confident that a good half of Londoners would do so. And I think that that would become politically complex for the government, which I would like. That's, I mean, it would be, it is very complex. It is very weird. The, um, so you can apparently apply for what they call electronic citizenship with Estonia. I don't know if you've looked this up, but there are um, adverts on the tube for... Uh, becoming a, a citizen of Estonia, so your business transactions become Estonian and hence in the EU. Um, so I don't know whether you. Well, it was only a matter of time. I think. Oh well, maybe I'll become Estonian then. It's. I mean, it's. It's. I think it's. A, again, it's Estonia uh, grifting essentially. Taking advantage of the situation. Yeah, but they've been yeah. they've been doing it for some years. The sort of electronic citizenship thing. Um, and as far as I'm aware, anybody could. I don't know what the restrictions are. But anybody could buy it. Um, which is essentially what the UK does, but uh, the prices are much higher. They're in millions of pounds to the Tory party rather than um, 20 quid to a, a PayPal account in Estonia. The, I, I mean, I, I, it's one of those things that, for a start, 
I don't think Eva Hofstad has any um, uh, legislative power of any kind. I no, I mean these are things that are going to get discussed and debated for some time. But I think that they uh, even the you know it's one of like much as we were saying earlier, it's one of those conversations that even having it is going to help change the way people think. And at the moment. That's not the worst idea because people are still talking about the previous discussion, which I think we can say is closed. And maybe it would be a good time, if a good time to engage people in what they're actually going to lose at the end of this year. Moving on is good. Um, yeah, moving on. Yes. Uh, are <laughs> you looking at the clock? No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> moving on. Moving on is good in lots of ways, but moving on to that one, uh, I'm not sure that helps electoral politics in this country. Um, at all I, I i think moving moving on to the substantive sort of issues that face the the country um the um, until you until you sort of come back with a not you until someone comes back with a concrete proposal about what the hell this sort of thing could actually be like and has got some idea that it's actually possible and i don't know a few billion dollars to grease whatever wheels need to be greased in strasbourg there's um yeah i brussels yeah both of them the uh about half each the so oh, yeah. let's um well. i don't know i don't know i it's not like campaigning to save the bbc or supporting mike bloomberg for uh the president if he got the democratic nomination it's Ooh, not something. Well, you mean somebody's going to send me one hundred and fifty dollars? It's brilliant. It's not something I would necessarily be against, given the fact that the other options are worse. But it's not something I would be spending my political energies on. Fair, fair. Okay. Oh, uh, do we have any stupid or not stupid? Or um, I, well, I think we've kind of done that. Was that a stupid idea? <laughs> yes or no? Uh, possibly. It's not a stupid idea, but it would ni- be nice to see more flesh on it. <laughs> Uh, so we'll hopefully put more flesh on that and many other ideas in the next exciting episode of um, that option no longer exists that felt like I should have tied Adam to a, a train track with a fast moving express on the way you can <laughs> that might help make a lot of political decisions it's the it's the tro- it's a very personal version of the trolley problem uh, let's let... we'll we'll tie you here to this HS2 and in just 30 years <laughs> that what they're about <laughs> Uh, indeed <laughs> it, for more of the same uh, visit thatoption.co.uk follow us on twitter at thatoptionpod or search for that on facebook email us hello at thatoption.co.uk um, I really hope you enjoyed it I know that was a little bit directionless so if you do want to um, support a left media possibly find a more structured left media to support uh but otherwise you might find us um in your podcasts and like uh recommend us to your mates because that's what we like uh i've been john bands and he has been adam juniper i hope to continue to be for a bit goodbye (laughs) goodbye So if all the naughty social media, we really need to tighten that up. And I will defend to the death, um, well, maybe not to the death, but I will defend Maybe not your death, but somebody else's, right? (laughs) Well, the absolute... No, sorry, that sounded a little tasteless. (laughs) 
Uh, well, that's okay. <laughs>